Welcome to Staffing in Sync, panel conversations with staffing industry's top thought leaders on today's most pressing and important staffing and business issues. I'm your host, excuse me, your co-host, Charles Epstein for SyncStream, leaders in ACA, ERC, and WOTC compliance automation for the staffing industry. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tom Kosnick, president of the Vices Group and the staffing industry's leading expert. Hey, Tom. Hello, Charles. Hey, good, good to, to have a, another terrific panel cast. This is uh, number five and counting. And today's is titled Building a Culture of Engagement. Just want to take a moment to mention last month's excellent panel cast on accelerating the performance of your new hires, which involved four panelists, one more than our usual three. We could have easily had four or five uh for today's it's such a hot topic but we had to reimpose some discipline before things got completely out of control Tom anyway I highly recommend you visit Stephing and Sync YouTube channel check out last month's panel cast as well as ones that have preceded it we think you'll find them insightful timely and depending on how you define fun a lot of fun <laughs> Hey, last week, last last month, I, that panel cast was exploding with ideas. Yes. I would encourage anybody to go back and listen to it on uh, encouraging the performance. We had uh, uh, three three guests that just tons of tons of uh, ideas. Hey, but, uh, Charles, before we get started on uh, today's topic, just want to thank Sync Stream for producing this series and our co sponsor, Essential Staff Care, the largest writer of employee health insurance and benefits to the uh, staffing industry. So our topic, uh, encouraging building a culture of engagement, having a, having a successful business uh, is every staffing firm's dream. Uh, but one challenge uh, is that every staffing firm and is grappling with is engagement of their, uh, of their employees. So all companies, in fact, uh, across it, all the companies that we serve uh, face this challenge of engaging employees. Uh, hence uh, the Great Recession. Uh, hence the the uh, the quiet quitting and some of those things that uh, we uh, we see going on. Uh, we know when employees are engaged, we have a good intuitive sense. Uh, it uh, retention improves, client satisfaction improves, growth and net income accelerate. So today's panel, uh, per uh, per Charles' comments, uh, a, a, a ruthless selection due to many, many capable folks that uh, we were looking at uh, wanting to join us uh, uh, to shed light on building a culture of engagement. Yes, and of course, speaking of culture of engagement, uh, our main uh, criteria for all of our panelists is to be engaging themselves. And thus far, uh, very, very good. We've been successful. Anyway, uh, before we introduce today's panelists, I just want to remind our listeners that we hold these panel casts on the second Tuesday of every month, focusing on a different topic with a different panel to share real world experiences, insights, and perspectives related to all aspects of staffing. So by all means, mark it on your calendars. Tom? Yeah, so let me introduce who we have uh, on the uh, on a panel cast. Uh, first, Shannon Kahn, founder of SMK Consultants, LLC. Uh, Shannon is a University of Oregon graduate in biology, found her way into the staffing industry 30 plus years. Uh, my gosh, Talent Tree, uh, CLP in the skill trades, True Blue in the light industrial, 
uh, Transforce Transportation. So Shannon comes to us with a wide variety of staffing uh, industry experience and, and uh, a lot of lot of years uh, in the industry. Shannon, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. And Rachel Modrak, uh, Vice President of Operation Excellence at Employee Bridge. Uh, Rachel, also 25 years uh, in the uh, 25 years, graduate of Keene College up in the Northeast, got her start in the staffing industry back in 1997, co-works, uh, and, and listen to this, uh, ADECO, uh, Apex, uh, staffing e-trainer, uh, consulted on her own as well uh higher dynamics and then of course higher dynamics got swallowed up by employee bridge where she is at now uh so uh worked with a lot of large uh, staffing companies and uh really excited to have uh, rachel with us too so rachel welcome thanks thanks for having me and brett cavanaugh president of TempWorks. uh so brett got his uh cut his teeth with aerotech back in uh, 2007 uh, when they got tired of, of him here in the Chicagoland area, they sent him up to Canada to go manage uh, a division up there. And uh, 12 years uh, uh, with uh, uh, with Apex, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Aerotech, and then uh, three plus years here with uh, TempWorks. Graduate of IU, Indiana University. When's that basketball team going to turn it around there? Huh? <laughs> Big one last night. Let's go. Once once college basketball season starts, we we we, uh, we always I, I always watch Hoosiers, and uh, my wife's like, "Why do you always watch that film?" I said, "Because it's great film, honey." Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so so Brett uh, so uh, uh, Brett is uh, is a member of a board member of uh, the Texas Association of Staffing, and uh, so welcome uh, welcome Brett uh, to Monica. Uh, and, and and Charles, just want to say what I'm super excited about today is that we have a hundred years of staffing industry experience on this panel cast today. So just really, really looking forward to uh, to uh, our questions and all. Yeah, great. And by the way, when I saw that Brett Kavanaugh was gonna be joining our panel today, I said, wow, Supreme Court justice. We, we've come a long way, Tom. Very on election, impressive. On election day, nonetheless. On election day. <laughs> on election day, oh my Lord, yes. What an you, amazing you, thing. You, you said they're knocking on the door, Charles, and they are. They, they, they are. I mean, who's next? Um, anyway, a few words on the ground rules before we get to it. Um, during the panel discussion, attendees are welcome to post questions in the chat. We'll select several to post to the panelists in the 10-minute Q&A following the panel uh, discussion. Tom, I don't know if you want to have uh, make some preparatory comments before we get to it. Yeah, just real, real quick. So uh, from the Gallup polls, uh, our engaged employees, 36% of our workforce in the United States are engaged, 36%. Uh, not common to see some organizations down in the low 20 percent. Uh, now, uh, uh, engagedforsuccess.com, they, uh, they uh, define engaged employee as a workplace approach resulting in the right conditions for all members of an organization to give their best every day, committed to their organization's goals, values, motivated to contribute to organizational success, with an enhanced sense of their own well-being. We know these employees, right? We 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 know who these engaged with, but we're at 36% there. 15% of the workforce, again, this is from the Gallup polls, actively disengaged. And how does Gallup define actively disengaged? Those who have a miserable work experience and spread their unhappiness to their colleagues. We we know these. 
we know these folks too, right? Well, here's the number we're going to be focusing on today. 49% are sitting on the fence. And so if we can move the dime on for, the half our workforce is not actively disengaged, not fully engaged, half our work, that's a huge opportunity for anybody managing any business. So really excited to uh, start digging into these, uh, these uh, hearing these responses from our wonderful, wonderful uh, guests here. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, one quick comment. Um, you mentioned that we have 100 years uh, collective experience of our panel. I'm sort of reminded of a conversation I had with a tech company sometime back who boasted having 300 years of collective AI experience. I thought that was pretty impressive. Right. Anyway, yes. Anyway, okay, question number one panel. From your years as both an employee and manager, why are we where we are today with employee engagement? And uh, Shannon, uh, maybe kick things off. Sure. Um, I, I think you can't ignore that we just went through a pandemic and we don't have a playbook for how to engage during a, a period of time where people are at home, they're working remote. So, so we set that aside because we're all dealing with that issue. Um, but I, I think one of the things that comes to mind is there are so many different ways of communicating with employees today. It isn't just email um, or memos. Now we have um, you know, social media and Slack and intranet, et cetera. So I think it, in some ways it creates a, an opportunity that makes it there are many different ways you can communicate and that should translate to it's easier but it actually becomes more complex and confusing because mm. what method is the best method how often and i think companies sometimes then disperse their communication in too many different ways and so it doesn't feel consistent and um regular and uh, uh, there, there's just too many different ways and, and employees get confused it's coming at me in so many different ways so i think that's one of the things that technology while it can be good, has created probably more of a challenging environment for leaders in how do I communicate which method is going to speak um, uh, in a way that people are going to hear and, and appreciate. Sure. Uh, Rachel, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what Shannon said. We've had so many advancements in technologies that have really impacted perhaps previous ways we engaged with our teams. You know, when I think about how um, so much of our training today is self-led or the development of leadership is, you know, attending online courses, uh, even how we set goals and hold people accountable, a lot of that sits in a technology. And I think that we have to get better at being intentional and sort of checking ourselves of, you know, when do I have more interaction with people that is outside of that technology? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just as you said, Shannon, leveraging these technologies so we can spend more time with people, not less. Yeah. Brett? Yeah, I, I mean, the pandemic certainly played a role in it. I'd be curious to know what the stats were right before. Um, I think technology could be a wonderful tool, but also a, a veil to hide behind, as both Shannon and, and Rachel discussed. Um, one other factor to potentially think about here is the demographic that is changing, um, the age of the employee obviously keeps getting younger and younger. We partner with a great company here in Minneapolis called Bridgeworks, um, who specializes in demographic studies, and the person themselves have, have different care. If you look at 
you know, my parents' generation and what their loyalty was to a company. My dad worked for the same company for 32 plus years. Um, there are there are articles out there that say if you're not finding a new job every two to three years, you're you're hurting yourself exponentially in terms mm -hmm. of your personal wealth or your career trajectory. So there are there are statements that are out there that are public that are ultimately encouraging the the retention change. Um, and what this Bridgeworks company talks about is it's just common to the demographic right now. Do we accept that? Um, mm -hmm. Or do we try to engage differently as Shannon and Rachel are discussing? So I think that that is a key contributor uh, as well. Yeah, Tom, yeah. I know I know you have thoughts on this. Oh, sure. Well, you know, okay, so the technology, the more technologically, so fascinating to me, the more techno technologically we become, the less and we're in the staffing industry, for God's <laughs> sakes. The, the 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 less uh, human uh, connectivity we have with our with our employees, technology external factor, uh, demographics, uh, generational shifts, uh, external factor. Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, putting an eye putting a, a, an eyeglass on, we are such a in the staffing industry. We're such a metric driven industry, and. Uh, and uh, so why are you at 36%, 20%, 25%, whatever the engagement rate is? Uh, and, and again, we, I shared earlier how you get on YouTube and you employ engagement and you see a bunch of finger pointing, you know, oh, management doesn't do this and employees don't do that. And, and, and I hear it all the time in my roundtable members. Oh, my gosh, these young kids coming. Brett, these young kids coming out of school, you know, they don't read the Wall Street Journal. They don't they don't pick up a golf club uh, to, to network and. Uh, all this, 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 we look, all of us have been in the organization, we versus them. And, uh, that's like, that's like, that's like gasoline on the disengagement of employees. And so, uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, for me, you know, why are we, where we're at now? It's, it's, uh, you know, what's that, what's that, uh, management MO, right? What is the management that the, 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 okay, I'm a manager, I'm getting my stuff done, but I want to become a great manager. I want to step above. And, and that's, 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 uh, I, th I think uh, the challenge, right? Uh, the, we're not, we have to become, we're, we're, we're uh, uh, has management stepped up to the challenge of learning how to communicate differently, learning how to uh, 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 touch our employees uh, in, in communication wise and the guidance wise and career mm -hmm. advice wise in, in, a, in a good healthy way so yeah. I think, anyway yeah no I think that's sort of the central paradox of our time um, more connectivity less connectiveness um, the second question uh, as we know most people don't leave the company they leave their boss or manager. The challenge is getting to a culture of engagement where all managers are effective at engaging and motivating their teams, which is a significantly steeper challenge today with so many working remotely, which we kind of just touched on. Um, what has worked for you in establishing or moving towards a culture of employee engagement? Uh, Rachel? Well, I think to have real meaningful change, it has to start at the top and you have to be able to truly see it throughout the organization. And I think, you know, one thing that I've seen work that speaks to that is when you look at the top three to five strategic goals of the company, which ones truly relate to engaging people more? Is it reducing turnover? Is it 
um, you know, providing more development and career pathing. Because if you can't correlate that and all your goals are around growth and financials, I, I think you're missing how you get there. So again, going back to just being extremely intentional and aware and that everyone in the organization is working towards it. Shannon, thoughts? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I agree with what Rachel said there is it, um, if we don't continue to connect the company's purpose with my purpose in my role, then it's easy to get lost in that. And going back to you know the, the style of communication, if you choose a style and a cadence of communication or a mode of communication and stick with that, that consistency translates to a, a level of uh, trust that you need to build with your teams. And if you're constantly changing how and when, then that trust erodes. Mm. So I would say choose a very, you know, whether whatever you choose, just do it in a very regular cadence and, and mode in that over time, people get to start to count on that and then that they start to trust their leadership more and i think that's a that's one way that people can change quickly and probably see an improvement in how their employees view leadership and view their their connection to the company right yeah i i mean <clears throat> shannon and rachel both are, are talking about you know meeting our employee where they're at understanding the the collective way in which we communicate to them, which I think Tom insinuated earlier when he discussed that we know the demographics are changing, we know the culture is changing, therefore as leaders we have to change and evolve. Um, I don't think there's necessarily one silver bullet around engagement. You know, if there, if there was, it was understanding our employees and knowing what they need um, and that that their individual need fills the, the vision collectively as the company. So we're all kind of rowing that boat together uh, to use a cliche analogy there. I think ultimately what you're trying to figure out is how can I help create an environment for my employee to get on board with what it is that we're doing? You know, we're, we're a tech company now that services the staffing industry in particular. And the rallying cry that always existed for us at Aerotech was we are changing people's lives. That person gets to eat a meal today because you help them get or keep a job that is the temporary associate. So the pride for the recruiter and the salesperson and taking care of that relationship is a person doesn't get to eat necessarily without your job that you provided them. So the rallying cry for us as a tech company is if our tech doesn't work, if our payroll doesn't work, if that individual doesn't get paid, all of the efforts of our staffing companies fall apart. So creating that rallying vision cry to get everyone on board um, for kind of that bigger, uh, that bigger need, that bigger picture is 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 key. Um, and hopefully that your employees buy into that and, and roll with you. Yeah. It, it, uh, Charles, just a quick, quick, quick thought. Uh, the uh, we're talking about executive sponsorship, uh, Rachel. You had mentioned that, uh, and that is uh, we we've all been in, in organizations where, <clears throat> well, our staffing industry, right, uh, for years have kind of gotten the bad rap. And as many times as I've walked into uh, staffing companies, uh, and I'm meeting with employees, I'm like, guys, like we exist because we can do what our what our clients cannot do. Like mm -hmm. with the, it to be a professional recruiter is an admirable profession. And, and so just that, just that uh, 
I don't know what you call it, just to, to have that confidence from a senior leadership position that then filtrates down through the organization. Hey, this is, this is an admirable business. There's a lot of organizations, staffing organizations, where you see that the that that's not the mindset of the senior leadership team. You know, they're looking at, you know, you, you've heard all the, all the, the I, I always say, you know, looking at the staffing industry like uh, gum on the bottom of your shoe on a 95 degree day, you know, versus, you know, versus this is an admirable profession. This is an, so, but Rachel, four plus billion dollars, what does Billy do uh, to, what does he do to uh, communicate that, uh, uh, filtrate that? You know, Rachel, what was True Blue? They were they were a couple billion in revenue or so. I, uh, you know, who you know whoever, what did what did they do at the top that that that? Yeah, I'd like Rachel yeah. go first, but mm-hmm. yeah. So Billy Milam, um, you know, our leader, he speaks to our entire company every week. You know, every Monday we have a uh, long email from. Billy. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the responses, I mean, we can measure engagement just on the number of responses. He will get hundreds of feedback from his email. And, you know, every email is trying to remind us why we do what we do, what all of our parts are in it, you know, how we're doing as an organization, not just financially, but just also how are we meeting our goals? How are we treating each other and where we're seeing the most reactions to anything we're talking about? And you know, that one thing alone for some of the leaders on this call, just taking away that, if you can commit to that one, you know, consistent communication, I've worked for Billy for years, every Monday, um, I, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, that's that consistency I was talking about before, yes. and it's great. Um, and a very simple, easy thing to do very uh, right away. I would say True Blue, um, Steve Cooper is the chairman and, and current CEO, and Steve um, always reiterated in all of his communications, as you said, Tom, that we make a difference in people's lives every day. And um, truly that I just got paid, therefore I can feed my family. It was that mm. um, immediate and a, on a daily basis. And people, I could tell what I think about because people really hung on to that. And they stayed for years because they knew that they were making a difference in people's lives. And I think they truly believed and lived that in their communities. And the other thing I would say about him is that he could walk into a room of three, four, five other people and know all their names. And for someone <laughs> in an organization, truly, that was a gift. Um, but it really made people feel um, important and, and valued. And it was a simple gesture, but he really had that gift and, and ability to do that. So I think those are, again, small gestures that had a huge payoff um, for True Blue and, and really that uh, success over the years for, for that organization. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, if you were to search employee engagement over YouTube, some videos would point the finger at management, others at employees. Clearly, managers need to take the lead in creating an environment conducive to a more engaged workforce, but employees also need to be intrinsically motivated to be engaged. What can management do to encourage employees to take more ownership of their engagement? And Brett, I'm going to ask this one to you first. Um, I mean, I think building off of the last answer, Mm -hmm. you know, Shannon and and Rachel both talked about kind of leading from the fronts. Um, You're going to 
ask people to be engaged, you have to be engaged yourself, right? The leadership piece. So your question, Charles, is, is around the employee and how can the manager help foster that um, relationship and that general thought track. <laughs> um, one of my favorite kind of go-tos is, is uh, an expression that Tony Robbins, I think, made famous. Um, I think most know who he is, self-help guru and uh, author and TED Talk and everything. And he is very convinced that the secret to happiness is progress. Um, and and I, I tend to agree with that. If you're thinking about your life, if it's a personal goal, I want to lose weight, I want to have a better relationship with my son, I want to get promoted at work, you're talking about progress. A manager's job is to help set expectations and to coach to those expectations to help that employee gain progress. That employee feels like they're gaining progress each and every single day. They're going to be more engaged. Uh, they're mm -hmm. going to be more bought into the leader. They're going to be more bought into the company. Um, so a go-to that I have here every single day is about progress. How are we better today than we were yesterday? Um, and I think as a manager, if you can help paint that picture for your employee, uh, you'll be you'll be very pleased with the results. Hey, so so Brett, like personal then and personal improvement plans. Not not you're not you're not performing. We need to put you on a pip, but uh, because I have clients that have personal improvement. Develop. We're talking now. We're talking about development, right? There's training. Mm -hmm. How do I learn this technology? How do I learn temp works better? Then there's the development of the human person. How do we? How do I become a better Tom Kosnick? Uh, so personal development plans. Uh, you, do you utilize any tools like that at uh, at TempWorks or? We do, yeah, we do. Through, I mean, your day to day metrics. You had mentioned earlier that the the industry itself is very, very metric driven, um, and I think metrics could be looked at in, in a number of different ways. A, a micromanagement philosophy, or to what you're getting at right now, a, a development tool. So, you know, in, in personal life, I think it's really easy for people to think about. Let's talk about working out. If I want to go to the gym, if I, if I want to bench press, you know, a, a certain weight, I have to meet milestones before it. You have to make progress every single day. I think as humans, we're geared that that's okay. That's motivating. That's exciting. At work, the metrics that we start with shouldn't be the end goal. It should be the progression on how we get there from a, from a brand new employee to a fully seasoned pro. Um, and, you know, Tom, absolutely. It's, hey, where are, we, where are we striving to in week one, month one, quarter one, and then year one and so on and so forth. So we do utilize milestones every single day. And it's the manager's job to not only hold them accountable, but to coach to make sure that they have those tools. And eventually the employee has to take that baton and run with it. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, what has uh, worked for you? in establishing or moving towards a culture of employee engagement? Well, I think there has to be a piece that we empower, you know, our, our people to give us ideas, work with their peers, uh, you know, be a voice for the, the teams that um, might not speak up. Because, I, you know, I, I know something that has worked in our organization is a lot of our internal groups are, are stood up and ran by, you know, the employees on our front lines, the ones that, you know, are impacted the most, quite frankly, instead of just some, you know, director or vice president somewhere. And, and I think people, when they feel empowered, they're more engaged, they feel part of something, and it helps them connect to the vision even greater. 
Shannon, thoughts? Yeah, I don't I, I think about the the things that have been most impactful, but for me and for people that I, I work with and lead is is our time, you know, as a leader, your time is very valuable and it's probably your greatest asset. And when you give time to people in the organization, it, mm. it is highly appreciated and has a huge ripple effect. And I think sometimes I, I think there's a tendency to put that time into the people that are in your, your inner circle. But when you jump into people in other parts of the organization, or as you mentioned, the people closest to the customer and you spend time talking to them, um, it's amazing what the impact can be and they realize that this senior leadership of the company really does care what's happening at every level of the organization and it's amazing what you'll hear from people that work directly with the customer whether it's the customer or the candidate they often have the best ideas and the best solutions yeah. on how to move forward how to progress as, as Brett said so I'd say make sure that you you a lot time during the week to pick up the phone and, and schedule time with that person who's recruiting, that person who is um, placing those candidates on the job, the, this new brand new salesperson who is talking to customers, um, and the information you get will be um, highly valuable. And also, they'll talk to everyone else and say, "Hey, I just had a conversation with someone in senior leadership," and and um, word will spread in a very positive way. Yeah. Hey, Charles, we're <clears throat> we're talking about. Uh, creating a uh, creating a culture or creating an environment of an, of engagement. I was with a uh, client of mine out on the West Coast, and uh, it, it was one of my first visits there. And there were I don't know maybe twenty five or thirty employees in this big room, and they were having like an all like meeting whatever. But the, then they started doing the, the shout outs. So they got to the section of the meeting. Hey, who's got a shout out? Oh, hey, I just want to shout out to so and so. They were so helpful on blah 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 blah. And somebody else, hey, I want to shout out. I, I didn't know any of these people and it was so personally motivating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, Hey, I want to do something good so that somebody will say, Hey, Tom, uh, uh, I've got other clients that, uh, uh, Brett, you're talking about uh, development uh, of the employee. I've got other clients that uh, they have a host of books, they, you know, 12 or 15 books. And I say, Hey, pick a book and, or let's, let's together, let's pick a book and read the book and, and, and let's learn something new uh the uh do you find uh, uh uh do you find those kinds of things of uh uh shout outs uh and uh uh, uh educational things as uh helping with creating an environment of engagement absolutely i mean one of the questions posed that at one point in time i know was around like how do you determine if your employees are engaged or not and, and they talk about that in the gallup surveys that you reference I mean, unfortunately, there's a reality too of, you know, if they do that shout out exercise in the middle of the office and nobody says anything, it's kind of a telling sign in and of itself that engagement mm -hmm. may be a little bit low. Or if you do a, a, a you know, a book club and nobody reads it or no one signs up for it, it's, it's a bit low. So having those events that you're discussing uh, can, can be a telltale sign in and of itself just around attendance. But absolutely, you know, I love what Rachel and Shannon both said around, you know, letting the, the employee have that voice. Um, oftentimes, if you set your own goals, you're going to be a bit more bought into it, too. So um, those are great, great suggestions. Yeah, you know, just a, a quick comment there. I was recently re reading a study recently, top 10 reasons people leave their company. Number one is lack of opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
uh, recognition is also lack of recognition is also uh, in the top ten. So mm -hmm. it is uh, kind and what, of. And what is what does recognition cost you? Right. Yeah. Very little. Very, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's nothing it's. Really. Uh, what 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 was that book? Uh, uh, how I got here. What got you here won't here. get you to there. Marshall Gold. Uh, uh, Goldsmith. Yeah. Goldsmith. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I had a client that gave me that book, and I read this book. I said, "You got to be kidding me!" It, it's uh, it's well, say thank you to your employees. Uh, you know, don't be looking at your phone when you're talking to somebody. <laughs> it's like, holy cow! These are like what exactly what we're talking about here? Basic communications, giving people what? time. Uh, you know, recognition. I, I think the problem sometimes is, is that um, it's not true or it's not real unless we read it uh, or, or hear it in a TED talk or read it in a business publication. I mean, look to your own personal experience. What motivates you? What reinforces your behaviors? What gets you to do certain things? When somebody says, hey, at a boy, good job. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, I think there's also a very strong correlation with um, we talked about development before, but if if uh, we as leaders help someone, and, and my own experience, the leaders that helped me grow, um, that's where I, I felt loyalty and engagement too. And I think that we have to. It is we tend to focus on technical skills, but soft skills are often the difference between someone taking a moving from one um, position to another in an organization, taking on more responsibility. And, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a title change, but it could be an enhancement to their role. But when we give people that gift of learning and developing new skills, particularly those soft skills, I think that is huge um, for them in, in that sense of pride and accomplishment and engagement. So I, I would say finding ways to do that in your organization, whether it's, you know, it might be you have a salesperson who does a terrific job on doing their research for their potential targets and have that person share that information yeah. and that with the rest of the organization. You give them a chance to shine and then they also impart that wisdom on other people. So uh, you have those the resources within your organization and, and tapping into those I think will, will also be a very um, easy way to quickly make some progress in your engagement. Sure. Yes, yeah, Shannon, the, the, what's, what's coming uh, to me is a theme management by intention versus mm. management by crisis or right. or reactive management and in our industry we just get sucked into reactive management and management by crisis and you really uh you own a business your manager you really have to how do i how do i how do i grow to manage by intention mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's uh anyway yeah yeah okay next question gallup developed a set of 12 questions that managers must ask their employees to get a read on their readiness for engagement the first two are number one do you know what is expected of you at work number two do you have the materials and equipment to do your work right this may seem pretty straightforward, but the answers you tend to get will surprise you. How does your organization ensure that you're delivering on these first two questions? And feel free to offer specific uh, examples. Uh, Brett? Yeah, I think we've touched on this one a little bit already, yeah. um, you know, at least uh, around the progress comments and the, the general kind of shout outs and engagements. <clears throat> you know, I, I think 
measurables as much as people may want to resist them in the feeling of of micromanagement at times are are coveted and there's so many psychological studies out there speaking of proof tom or, or charles i forget who mentioned it that why do we need validation everywhere we go from a book or from some famous ted talk but there, there's so many studies out there that say that humans are in, enthralled with milestones. They want those metrics. But if the employee isn't aware of the metrics that they're being measured against, uh, everything falls on its face pretty quickly. So you know, we, we try to publish our metrics and in certain departments even publish the results. Uh, you instantly create uh, what Shannon was kind of referencing earlier is that that employee who's doing it right uh, with that hope of, of internal mentorship or uh, mimicry even to say, oh my goodness, Rachel's doing so well at this. Like I, I need to go sit down with her and have a conversation. Now your engagement's increasing even further. So we definitely publish metrics and we, and we publish the results. Um, and then the, the second form of the question there around you know, do they have the necessary tools? I think first and foremost, if you're gonna have metrics, the employee themselves has to have the ability to access those, those numbers uh, on a regular basis. They can't be derived from you know, some one-on-one -on -one meeting or, or from management. So they need to be able to assess them themselves and kind of measure themselves up against the standard. Uh, but then as a manager, it's certainly your responsibility to make sure that you're teaching to those um, specific goals that are, that are acquired. So LMSs, uh, to give specific examples, we partner with the company internally um, to do some online training. Uh, and then those are reinforced in a, what we call learn, shadow, do, teach model uh, that the employee kind of teaches back to their, either their team or their leader directly. Uh, Rachel? Yeah, no, to build on what Brett said, um, you know, we do some surveys. So we do a pulse survey every quarter and we ask somewhere in three to four questions. And I think if I looked at the questions, two of them are the ones that you just mentioned. We're always asking, do you know your expectations of your role? Do you have the tools you need to be successful? I think we probably need to do a little bit of a better job instilling that those conversations are happening and it's not just on a survey. We also have a program that we do quarterly goals with every employee and it's tracked in our HRIS so we can make sure interaction is happening there and conversations are being held. And I think that's a great time to follow up on those conversations and, you know, get the feedback, provide the tools and end the conversations. You know, how can I help you as, as your leader, Charles, how can I help you be more successful? Uh, Shannon? Yeah, when I read this, I think these are questions that you, you need to phrase them in this format for a survey so that you can get quick responses. However, you know, I, I immediately think about in, in sales, we learn if you ask a question that open-ended way, your customer's guard goes down and they start sharing more information with you. And it, it's interesting how if you ask somebody in a closed-ended question, they tend to think they can only answer in yes or no. But if you ask it in an open-ended way, then they tend to share more information. So as Rachel said, you know, this is great for a survey, but survey on its own doesn't change engagement. So take this and flip that question and say, you know, what tools do you need to be more successful in your role? And, you know, what tools do you have today that are working for you, then which ones maybe are 
creating roadblocks. Um, and then uh, be quiet and listen and take notes. And when you do that, I think you'll see their guard go down, they'll get relaxed and they'll be straight willing to share more information because they, they you really wanna hear what they have to say, but it's how you formulate those questions. And that's something again, in the sales environment we learned early on makes a huge difference in the information you get from your customer, but it works the same with your staff is you're gonna get different and better and more honest information if you pose the question that way. So surveys are important, but as Rachel said, you need to follow up with those one-on-one -on -one conversations to really get to the heart of how they're feeling. There is a third question, but I know Tom wants to say something. Oh, just to, uh, uh, to, to reiterate what Brett was talking about, uh, the uh, and maybe we can give this a little bit of airtime, but there's all kind of data that says that people want to know the path to success. So that job descriptions, uh, 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 the flow of my work, what do I need to do on a day-to-day -day in order to succeed? What are the performance metrics? So I, I would say that it's management's job to uh, show employees the pathway to succeed. And uh, the uh, uh, so I've heard a lot of, a lot of managers, uh, Brett, what kind of money you want to make? Oh, oh Tom, I want to make $150,000. Great. Let me show you what you need to do to make $150,000 versus the manager that has a, uh, a set of metrics on the end of a baseball bat walking around the office. Right. I mean, we, we know these two environments that, that exist in the industry, but uh, the, the, the accountability is not a bad word. And I, I, I think all my clients struggle with how do we how do we hold people accountable? That's in, in a caring way, in a uh, uh, in a in an intentional in an, in an intentional way. I, I don't know if any of you have have uh, uh, any any comments about about that, that dynamic of management. I want to know who's walking around with a baseball bat with goals at the end of it. That's that's the, hey, you're the terrifying. one. Hey, you got Aerotech in your background. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very fair. Rachel or Shannon, you both were going to jump in. I don't want to, I don't want to follow up to that comment. I'll let the. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's keep it simple. Don't go overdo the, the, I mean, the baseball bat too much, you know, maybe you just need to have uh, a couple of things that you measure and, again, consistency and how you measure mm -hmm. that so that everybody is aware that this is where I'm going to be measured. And you're true, it's true, absolutely right. I don't think people that employees um, have an issue with being accountable as long as they understand what they're accountable for. <laughs> so I think it's being very clear about that and keeping the measurements to a minimum and consistently measuring them and giving them that feedback is, is what I would say is the um, for those struggling with that, just just um, try to keep that very tight. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that. I, I think a lot of people that think accountability um, is difficult to do, they're probably only having conversations when it is a difficult one, when they are uh, trying to, you know, yeah. talk about a non or underperformer. And, and I think as Shannon and Brett both said, consistency, expectations. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm supposed to do. We're going to talk about it every week, month, whatever that is. And that somebody's saying, well, how can I help you get to your goal? How can I help remove barriers from the problems you're having from seeing success? Mm -hmm. um, that, that's true accountability. 
love what you said, Rachel. That's that reactive piece that Tom was talking about earlier. We're, we're not holding accountable to the end. It's too late. And that's when that, those dangerous mm -hmm. pips come in and it's a improvement plan, not a development plan. Right. So well said. Yeah. Um, the third question of Gallup's set of 12 questions is at work, do you have the opportunity to do what you do best every day? So the question, of course, is uh, what does your organization do to provide your employees with the environment and opportunity to do their best every day? So whoever answers this first gets to answer this first. <laughs> I'll jump in. So um, I think this one's a much deeper, certainly, than, than the others. Um, and I think you know, in prep for this, for the audience who's unaware, Charles had brought up DNI and that there's a, a B coming and that um, that whole platform is, is kind of changing. Um, what I have learned through the years is DNI is is more so around the diversity of thought. If you think about building as a leader, mm -hmm. you think about building a really, really strong team. Um, I know where my strengths lie. I know where Shannon's strengths lie. I know where Rachel's strengths lie. And if we need to build out and round out this team, what strengths are we missing? Um, and going to find those people and exposing that and giving them that opportunity to live in their strengths is, is really, really key. I think this is like the advanced form of, of engagement and leadership mm -hmm. that I see a lot of leaders and companies struggle with, you know, myself included. Um, if you can find and round out that team and allow people to stay within their lanes, that's that's huge. But what needs to come first really is understanding the individual, understanding the goal or the game at task if you're playing a sport and saying, okay, what are we missing here? And who do we know who has it so we can go round that out? It may not be a traditional job or skill set um, that we need to adopt to. I mean, Rachel's role, Vice President of Operations Excellence, is very, very diverse uh, as I've gotten to work closely with her. So uh, I think companies are getting smarter as they're evolving into that well-rounded strength of a team versus strength of an individual, but mm. it's, it is not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. So Rachel, now that you were name-checked, I think you need to respond. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll just say, you know, when I read this question, it made me think of um, that Maslow's like hierarchy of needs theory, right? Mm -hmm. And so I connect it to, do people feel like they can be themselves at work? Mm. You know, are, are we giving them that freedom? Are we providing empathy? Because I think that just it is just another, you know, piece of this puzzle of, of people feeling connected to an organization is when they feel they can be their authentic self. Yeah, I, I would just add to that, you, we create job descriptions and then we then translate that into expectations and then assume that everyone can kind of morph and fit into that. And people are all different and some people have extraordinary strengths in one area and perhaps not another that's okay exploit those strengths because then you can really get the most out of those individuals and Brett said that very well and um, I, I think about some of the situations and that I've come across over my career and somebody's struggling in a particular role and as we start to talk and dig in and find out what they're 
their real strengths are and move them to a slightly different role, they shine. And so I always kind of in my head think that everyone is capable of being a star. We just have to figure out where they where, where they can be a star. And, and our job is, is to make sure that we get, provide them that opportunity. And if not, we help them move on. But it, I think there's ways if instead of putting everybody in that same box, and that's that's a challenge. You have to have job descriptions, but sometimes they become too um, uh, too much of a, a rigid box. So it, be creative. And if, if you have somebody who's exceptional and is a um, in one area, move them into that area, and they'll they'll shine and they'll they'll be engaged and they'll give you returns for many many years. So. Yeah, Shannon, yeah. adding adding off of something you had said earlier was was how that spreads then quickly. You know, mm -hmm. if you create a unique role for an individual to allow them to shine and do what they do best, they become an SME. They're more engaged. They're excited yeah. and to work without the Sunday scaries anymore. They're they're fired up to come into work on a Monday morning, and now they're telling their friends who they've become close with at work that wow. Shannon cares. She got me in the right spot. I'm excited. My company's the greatest. Like, go talk to her. She's gonna help you do the same thing. Uh, if you if you can foster that environment, that's why I keep saying I think that that's next level. Now you're now you're producing at the highest of levels. Okay. That's right. Fast. The uh, you all are articulating Dr. Clifton's uh, uh, <laughs> hypothesis that developed the twelve questions and uh, conducted that 20-year study uh, with, with Gallup. And, and basically, uh, you know, prior, we used to, oh, let's do an assessment on Brett. Oh, Brett uh, doesn't, make, doesn't uh, like to make uh, phone calls. Oh, Brett uh, is terrible at following up with email. So let's, let's uh, get him some training on how to make phone calls and how to, like we've, we focus the training not on our strengths, but on our, our weaknesses. And that whole, uh, Dr. Clifton's hypothesis was, hey, forget about these weaknesses. Let's focus on the individual's strengths and, the, and they will shine. And, and uh, it's, what, it's what, quote unquote, what the best managers do. It's what they discovered. You guys are, you, guys are, you, must, you must be reading the same books on reading. <laughs> <laughs> we have one more question. I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get to the Q&A, Tom, which is a shame because uh, some people have posted some really interesting questions uh, in the chat. We may have to start a staffing and sync after hours. Maybe we get a little spicier. Uh, we have to discuss that. We'll have to make an executive decision on that one. Anyway, last question. What are some of the easiest to implement ideas or methods that will get the quickest results in improving employee engagement? Are there any ideas or uh, methods that may take longer to implement, but that will lead to longer term improvements? First one in. Well, I'll just jump in and say we've talked about so many of them already. I think that um, you know, finding a, a communication method and cadence and sticking with that is something you can do right away having one-on-ones with employees to really get dig for information and demonstrate that care and that interest in what they're doing. Um, and then helping people grow, find ways to give people um, an opportunity to develop not just technical skills, but their soft skills. And, and those are the, the, those two together will help them advance and, and um, build that engagement and loyalty. Rachel? 
So I, I think that some of this, you know, we're putting this skill in the hands of our middle management, our, you know, branch leaders, mm. our directors, and what are we doing to develop them so that they can help, you know, engage their team. So I think trying to figure out how you can develop, you know, those leaders. I love all the things that Shannon said. I, I think career pathing, I have to be, you know, I have to say that. I think that that if you don't already have clear career paths, which mm. we said earlier, that's one. And then, you know, as we plan for 2023, think about what strategic goals you can truly connect that increase engagement, lower turnover. Uh, and I think you'll hit those financial marks. Yeah, I think those are great. And, you know, the spirit of this question is perfect. There is no easy, simple solution. You know, it's it's meeting your people where they're at, like we've talked about, exposing their strengths, creating progress or milestones or markers with career paths, having a vision that can be cascaded down that everyone's bought into. Um, this is general, you know, human engagement that we're talking about here, allowing someone to feel safe as though they could be their authentic self, as Rachel said earlier. I think all those things are, are big. I'll go the unpopular route um, and say, you know, Tom shared a stat that, you know, 15% of employees are actively disengaged. You got to get them out. Mm. You, you have to get those people out. View them like a cancer. It spreads way faster than the positive does. Um, and you have to find a way to get them out. Of course, I'm assuming that you've gone through those other methods to try and get them engaged and get them excited and, and to that other side of the fence. But if you are unsuccessful there, getting them out is possibly at times more important than getting those 49 percenters on the right side of the fence. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that can become really, really large. Um, but overall, you know, for, for me more than anything else, just reiterate that progress piece. You find a way to engage with your employees, um, whether it's directly to, to leadership, mid-level leadership, like Rachel said, and teach them what progress is and how that could be kind of trickled down to their, to their group. Uh, the engagement goes through the roof, in, in my opinion. Yeah, boy, it's a, it's a big hole in the industry. I, I think manage those, that branch manager training, regional area manager training, vice president, that that uh, there's just so little of that that uh, goes on in the industry. But it, it's we have a lot of sales and recruiting training. But uh, boy, if we could if we could just uh, put more dollars towards that management training piece. Mm -hmm. What do, what do most companies do? They promote their best producers right their, well, their best producers yeah. are promoted into leadership it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best leaders or managers correct the yeah correct exactly. and that's 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 not a staffing industry that's, no. that's we see that everywhere in all in all industries uh management training good stuff good stuff yeah i don't think we're gonna have i'm sorry i just had a quick question for for brett when's that fairy tale story of the vikings gonna end you'd see that I'll, all i have is chicago stuff on my background so <laughs> li living in living in minnesota as a chicago <laughs> born and raised individuals is pretty tough uh, so no no comments <laughs> gotta love the season they're having this year yeah yeah um uh, yeah unfortunately we're not not gonna have time for the um q a but let me just run quickly by some of the questions that were posted because i think they're kind of illuminating instructive are you seeing a correlation between dei 
uh, DEI initiatives and employee engagement? And if so, what are you doing at your company to move the needle on DEI? Wow. Uh, another question. Research shows that employees stay because they feel their manager cares about them. What kind of training, development, coaching do you give your managers to teach them how to care about their direct reports? And how do you measure employee engagement? So again, we're going to have to have a sequel or an after hours uh, show uh, to address these, but I thought those were really interesting uh, questions. Anyway, yeah, we're approaching the one o'clock mark. Thank you very much, panel. That was uh, excellent. And uh, thank you to everyone for uh, joining us today to discuss building a culture of engagement. Uh, Tom, I know you wanted to say some words in closing. Oh, just fantastic. I just love that, that management by intention. Uh, gosh, the weekly addresses, Rachel, that Billy does, knowing uh, uh, Shannon, a CEO that knows everybody's name, uh, the personal bread, the personal development plans, the the whole, the whole giving your employees time, casting them uh, where they're, uh, where they're, where they're uh, showcasing their strengths or where they're working their strengths. There's so many career pathing, uh, uh, a quarterly survey. There's so many great ideas that came out of this last hour that I, I think anybody either managing or, or, or running a, a small to mid-sized large staffing company would be able to benefit from. So great. Thank you so much, uh, 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 Rachel and Shannon and Brett. Thanks for, having me. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Yes, thanks so much. This panel cast will be available later this week for anyone wanting to relive the experience or, or to share it. I want to close by thanking Essential Staff Care for their sponsorship of this series, Staffing in Sync, conversations with the staffing industry's top thought leaders on today's most pressing and important staffing and business issues. Produced by SyncStream, providers of ACA, ERC, and WOTC compliance, automation, and expertise for the staffing industry. Join us next month for an equally, an equally lively panel discussion on the effects of inflation on staffing. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time for the next edition of Staffing in Sync. Bye. Bye.